I'm Roberto. And I'm Brendan. And together, we're ranking the Russian rulers from Rurik to Putin to see who gets to party it out in the Kremlin or get shipped off to Gulag. This week, ruler number three, Igor I. Not much of a recap for this episode because uh, Alieg basically came in, came into power, took over everything. And uh, then he wasn't in power. Then he wasn't in power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks to a thanks to a snake that lived in a skull, which, again, probably didn't. It sounds more legend to me, uh, for reasons because I've heard this story before and I know it's not original. Yeah, Elyag basically raided. He took over all the surrounding Slavs and then raided Constantinople. I mean, he got a higher ranking than Rurik, who founded the Rurikian dynasty, which. Oleg was a part of. I mean, Oleg also f- moved the capital to Kiev, so you gotta hand it to the guy. Oleg did a lot, so can we see now if Igor can live up to Oleg? Uh, I, I kind of have a feeling no, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so etymology for Igor. Igor comes from the Old Norse name Ingvar, which means protected by Ingvi. The first part of the name comes from the Proto-Norse Ingvi, which is the older name for the god Freyr. The second part of the name comes from the word Harjaz, meaning warrior, or Warjaz, meaning defender. Okay, so he shares a name with Ingmar Bergman. That's pretty cool. So it could be Freyr's warrior or Freyr's defender. But as I said, the one I I found from the etymological website says it means protected by Ingvi. Not much is known about Igor's early life. Before he ruled, we find him being handed off to Oleg the Seer to care for until he came of age. He spent his time learning and co-ruling with Oleg, and then witnessed the murder of Askold and Deer. In 903 AD, he married Olga of Skolv. He may have been with Oleg at Constantinople in 907, and of course, Oleg died and he became the sole ruler of Kiev. Pretty easy early life to get into, I think. Yeah, uh, nothing impressive going on there, honestly. He, he got married. That's pretty much it. We know the woman's name. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they all had married. I mean, we know his dad did because he has a son, unless he didn't get married. But Aliag wasn't married as far as we know. Hmm, interesting. He probably, he probably had people he was with. It's not a big issue. Right. And now let's go right into uh, Igor's rule. You see, despite being the blood successor of Rurik... The Derevlians, who Oleg had conquered before, used the chaos of succession as an opportunity to rebel against Igor. As the ruler of a large nation, he beat down a rebellion and imposed a much larger tribute to the Derevlians, much to their chagrin. So you rise up, mm. we take you down, and now you gotta pay us money. Alright, that's something. It was around this time that we first see the Pechenegs enter the scene and invade the Kievan lands. Igor managed to beat them off, and the Pechenegs retreated back to the Danube River. They returned five years later, and were once again repelled. Then, the Chronicles go quiet for quite a few years. Things were supposedly rather peaceful for Igor, and in this time, he started plotting on how to one-up his predecessor and to make great riches in raiding Byzantium. Hmm. Okay, I'm following so far. Kiev enters the fray once more. Wait a second. Raiding, did you say raiding Byzantium? Yeah. But Constantinople is a tribu- tributary, right? No. They just paid them tribute to make them leave. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he didn't conquer well, them. Well, that's he a just... stupid deal. 
But they got a good trade deal out of them, though. Yeah, a one-time trade deal. We'll, we'll see what happens. Igor then begins sailing down the Dnieper River towards the Black Sea. But the secret got out, and the Bulgarians had noticed the Rus' movement, and they notified the Roman Emperor Romanus that the Kievans were coming with 10,000 vessels. What a lazy name to give to your kid. You're from the Roman Empire, Romanus. Oh, oh, this is this is my kid, Americus. Instead of just copying Alieg, Igor decided to make his way into Anatolia, which is the Asian side of Turkey. From there, he raided from Pontus all the way to Heraclea and Paphlagonia. Igor and his men laid waste Nicomedia and burned down everything they came into contact with on the coast, and then went to Constantinople. The denizens of the Anatolian coast suffered most. They were, once again, captured, and some were butchered, others became target practice again, and another portion had their hands bound behind their backs and iron nails were driven through their heads. It was a very bloody affair. The churches and monasteries also suffered, and they were plundered and burned to the ground. I can understand why there was so much effort made towards Christianizing people, or little effort, depending on your point of view. Mm -hmm. But Emperor Romanus had had enough and sent his generals after Igor and his men. And the Roman army quickly enveloped the Rus. The Rus were not ones to back down from a fight, and they came into an intense battle, but were defeated by the Romans. They retreated to their camps, and in the cover of the night, they sailed off into the Black Sea. Hmm. And what year was all this? 935. Okay, 935. All right. The Romans wanted to send a message and sent their own fleet after the Rus, and they unleashed their secret weapon, Greek fire. Ooh. Oh yeah, Greek fire is in play. And they set the Rus ships ablaze. What is the, I know, so my understanding is that Greek fire is generally only attested in legend, but we don't know. Well, it's in sources, It's because we know it's been used, we just lost how to make it. Right. Because it was a close, it was a closely guarded secret, but multiple sources talk about it. Yeah, various proposals include combinations. Oh, pine resin, uh, naphtha, quicklime, calcium phosphide, sulfur, or nitre, uh, which is the mineral form of potassium nitrate. Science. Hmm. And and then we zoom into one of the roof ships set ablaze, and we can see the flames of the Greek fire sticking to the top of the ocean waves and a warrior running around the ship's head of flame. He dashes towards the edge, and one of his companions yell out, No, Jeff! Don't jump into the water! You'll burn yourself even more! But Jeff paid no heed, and his shriek could be heard as he burnt and drowned. Owned. Rip Bozo. Bye, Jeff! Igor, of course, returned to Kiev shortly thereafter, and licked his wounds. All the plunder he had gotten was retaken by the Romans, or was sunk in the Black Sea. He was in dire straits as he had spent more cash than he had on his warriors. So, he's broke. Well, that's going to take some points off unless he comes back from this. We'll find out. After several years, he managed to gather warriors from the Varangians, the Rus, the Polianians, the Slavs, Kravitians, Tverchians, and the Pechenegs. With this newfound force, he advanced once more against the Romans to get his revenge for his previous defeat and make more money to cover the costs of both campaigns. It was around this time that Olga had given birth to Sviatoslav. Once again, the Bulgarians snitched on the Romans. 
and told Emperor Romanus that they were on the way along the Pechenegs. Romanus could only sigh, and to preempt the battle, he sent an embassy to Igor, offering him gold. Another embassy was sent to the Pechenegs, and they offered them gold. With Igor's retinue around him, they wondered that if the Roman Emperor could just give them money without fighting, then why should they fight? Excellent question. And in their eyes, you could see the memories and screams of Jeff being burnt by the Greek <laughs> fire, and they told Igor to take the money. Igor had to listen to them since they were his fighting force, and he used that money to pay past debts, giving money to the Varangians for their services. He told the Pechenegs that snitches get stitches, and they had free reign to ravage the Bulgarian territory. All the debts had not been paid, though. To assist with paying for the Varangian services, he allowed them to collect tribute from the Derevlians. Igor's retinue did not look upon this kindly, and were wondering why the Varangians were getting such preferential treatment. They then demanded their money from Igor. As mentioned earlier, Igor had not broken even at all, especially because of the early Byzantine treaty that did not work in his favor. To pay for this, he went to the Derevlians and demanded more tribute from them. Though the Derevlians were quite upset as they had just paid the Varangians, they grumbled but paid up what they wanted. This allowed for Igor to fully pay off his retinue for their services. Hmm. So he went into debt by like one misadventure after another and then somehow just wanted all back. No, so he got into debt. He was They gave him money, but it wasn't enough to cover his costs for both wars. Right. So like... He, 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 he never broke even, so like he couldn't pay everything back, so he has to get it from his own people. But, as I said, Igor was essentially left broke. And he was on the way back to Kiev from the Derevlian lands, and then looked back and thought, Why should I leave with no money for me? I need money. And he told his retinue to return to Kiev with the tribute he had collected for them, and he went back to the Derevlians with a small group of armed men. Though the Revlians saw him coming, and they went from grumbled to enraged. They spoke amongst themselves, and decided that if a wolf continued coming for their flock, the wolf had to be killed. Hmm, easier said than done. Igor arrived, and the Revlians greeted him as they would their grand prince. Then Igor said the words that the Revlians were dreading. He asked them for more tribute. The torch and pitchforks came out, and the Derevlians surrounded Igor and his retinue, and a battle ensued. They killed his retinue, and Igor was captured and knocked out. When he awoke, Igor could see the Derevlians staring up at him. They had bent down two birch trees and tied them to his legs. Igor gulped and looked at them. They let the tree straight, and Igor's body was torn apart. They buried him with princely honors and left Olga with a young Sviatoslav. Oh my god. Wait a second. Olga of Kiev? Olga of Kiev. Oh man. Okay. Oh, are we are we recording her next? Oh yeah, next week next time, yep. Okay, not today. Alright. Not today. Okay. Cause I know the story of Olga of Kiev somewhat, but this is by far I hope this isn't this isn't fake or legend. I hope this is true. This is true. Okay. Multiple sources they, they, corroborate it. Sources, Russian sources corroborate it. Oh, good enough. Whatever. Okay. So, yep. They tore Igor's body apart with birch trees. He just went, 
Okay. I wonder, is it even possible? I mean, I understand. Yes, it, it, it is. Because like, like, you get, like, young birch trees and they're very bendy. Right, of course. I mean, I know there are, like, plenty of, like, um, like traditional Native American traps that use this method in not, not to ripping animals apart, but basically bending a giant tree and using it as a spring. I guess it is possible. Yes. So, and that is Igor. Um, that was fast, wasn't it? So, and that is Igor's life. Well, very sad, but, you know, that is such a terrible way to go. I'm going to have to really take him to take points off for that. Yep. Alrighty. Let's start off with Special Operations. How well did they do in battle, lead in battle, or have others lead in battle for them? Okay, okay. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm Some going positives. to give him. I'm Some, going listen, to give. Hear me I'm out give, first. I'm going to give what? Well, hear me out first, at least. Okay, pros first. All right, pros. Pros. He stopped the first Derevin rebellion and beat back the Pechenegg incursion twice. Uh huh. Cons. He was stopped by the Byzantine forces twice and had Greek fire used on them. Well, it's kind of not his fault, considering it's Greek fire. That's one of the most. I mean, flamethrowers are extraordinarily devastating weapons, especially when used at sea. So I can't exactly blame him for that. He can't control. No one can control having Greek fire used on him, on them, except to not fight at all. And I don't know. I guess, yeah, I can't take points out for, would, would he have been aware that Greek fire was in use? It was a secret weapon. So like, but people, we're just getting around. Well, if it's a secret weapon, okay, I can't. Fairly, I cannot take points off for falling to Greek fire when there was no way to know that it would be used. But there's not a lot of positives here. He was a... He did not do good. Yeah, he was not very successful. I'm going to give him, like... I'm going to give him a two. I was going to give him a one. There we go. Three points for Spetsal Operatia. He is our lowest score. Dang. All right. All righty, next one. Uspiech. Success. How successful were they in running their nation? What cultural significance did they leave behind? I'm also going to go for a one on this one. <laughs> I'm, going for, I'm going for a one as well. The only thing he left behind was a cool death story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, Olga of Kiev, which we will cover Olga of Kiev, which, you know, but that's her accomplishment, not his. That's her accomplishment, yeah. We're going to give her points for that whenever when we record it next. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, one. that's two points for Uspiech. All right. Uh, um, next up. What, is zero an option? Because I would... Yes, it is. It is. Okay. I, I'm going... Well, I'll give him a one for the first one because it's not fair. For success, I'm sorry. That's a big fat zero for me. Okay, so one for Spetsalna Pernazia and one and zero for, for success? Yeah, zero for success. So that is three points and one point for Uspiech. Next up we have... Compromat. Blackmail. What dastardly deeds they do behind closed doors, or what do they do outwardly that made others dislike them? Uh, he triple taxed the Derevlians. Yeah, that's pretty compromat. And it backfired heavily. Yeah, so I'm going to give him like... This is probably when he gets his bill. I'm gonna give him like a three. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna give him a maybe a four or a five. Let's say four and a half. He, tr he triple taxed. What is the name of the group again? The the the, the Revlians. Right. He triple taxed the Revlians until they got so fed up they killed him, which is 
a stupid solution to a problem that came about because of his own stupidity. Oh, no, and, and don't forget, they also rebelled against him, so he increased their tax. Right, right. And that I mean, was at the beginning, so, like... Yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's necessarily compromat to put down a rebellion, but, I mean, triple taxing somebody, that's just cruel. Especially when it's to make up with for your own failures. Oh, absolutely, so... All right, so, yeah, I'll give him a four and a half for a compromat. Hey, next up. Bože moi. Oh, my God. Or, how good do they look? Um, he is the guy on the rightmost corner. Okay. Sitting down. Well, he is dressed in red, which is appropriate for how he went out. Could <laughs> uh, you, can you, can you uh, t- tell us more about him? Alright, well, this the detail is lacking here. This is like that scroll, or not scroll, the um, the, the drawing of... Um, of uh what's his william the conqueror conquering england if you've seen that famous scroll this is the level of like illustration we're looking at here so mm-hmm. it's not very good uh he's got like two little bb eyes he has red hair i think a red beard he's dressed in red he has a sword in his left hand he has green tinges he has a red cap uh with green tinges you know asking me to rate him for Bojemoy here is kind of like asking me to rate like a stick figure, basically. <laughs> so I'm giving him a one. <laughs> well, no, hold on. Let's let's be fair. There, there's more to him, right? Like, what was his name? Igor. I, I have some more pictures here if you want to see more okay, pictures. I- yeah, Igor of Kid or Igor of Novgorod? Kiev. Igor, Igor of Kiev. Okay. Okay, see, this is way better. I can actually judge this. Okay. So he the first one is from, okay. So the first one is from the Radzivil Chronicles of Poland. So okay. So what is where is this one from? The Ruski Titularnik. So the Russian Chronicles. The Russian uh, Titularnik. Yeah. Okay. So he's in armor in this one. He has looks like it, I guess steel armor. I don't know if they what, steel was invented by this point. Uh, it looks like more like scale mail. Right, but I'm talking. I'm talking about what the material is. What metal? Was it iron or steel? I think steel should have been invented. No, I think it's iron. Okay, so he has an iron armor here. Um, it looks like plate armor, but there's... In the drawing, there's lines, horizontal lines, so it's like meant to be layered steel? I don't know. Um, he has a mail shirt under that. It's fringed with gold. He has a helmet that looks to be iron fringed with gold. He has three red feathers on top. He's he's extremely pale. He, he's, yeah, it's quite pale. Like, very thin eyebrows. Very hooked nose. Very red lips. I mean, I'm sure it's to somebody's taste here, but he's not what I would call handsome. No, I'm still giving him a one. <laughs> I mean, he's not hideous. Like, comparing him to Oleg the Seer. I mean, Oleg Seer is like... Oleg the Seer is like old man handsome. You know... He's got a very strong jaw. This guy, he's got like a very... He doesn't have a very strong jawline, anything like that. I, I, he, They didn't bother drawing him with cheekbones or anything like that. He's got like a very thin nose, thin red lips. I can't tell if this is facial, if it's like a thin mustache or like just how his face is shaped. I, I mean, I guess we'll give him a three. You're a lot kinder than I am. So that is a four for Boja Moy. And then here are some other pictures I want I want you to see while we're here. Okay. So this is him asking for tribute from the Derevlians. He is the guy in red, of course. Okay, let's take a look here. So 
the the first one has facial hair the second one doesn't okay so this one he's got like a a horseshoe mustache like a sam elliott cowboy mustache here he looks way more severe here i'll say that um way more intimidating here but he's not what i would call handsome still he looks like he looks like jafar he looks <laughs> <Whoa>. evil <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure people thought he was you know we just triple tax them yeah of course. Okay. And then here's the last one I'm showing you. It is him being killed. Hmm. He's a guy who's uh who has his leg tied. Right. Yeah, I mean he looks pretty standardly it's again, the picture is not very high quality. I have to zoom in here on his face. And it it's an artistic depiction, so it's like he, he doesn't have a six pack six pack of abs, but he's like has a very muscled body. But I assume that's just artistic depiction. Yeah, I mean he looks fine here. It doesn't look like much of anything. Again. So like I, I mean, the, so far, like, the second illustration is the best one we have. And I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to just keep, maybe I'll downgrade him to a two. There we go. So that is a three for Bojemoy. Okay, next up. Vladizhstva. Sovereignty. How long were they on the throne? We don't get to rate him on this one because it is pre-rated. Mm-hmm. Igor was on the throne. Actually, how long do you think he ruled for? Ten years. Okay. Igor was on the throne from the fall of 912 to the fall of 945 for a total of 33 years. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad. We had a really long, quiet period from like... Yeah. So his scores is a total of 13.13. Hmm. Well... That's not much. Wait, so was that it? Okay. Alieg had 13.40. This is 13.13. So his total score is... I'll just say, this is why we have the Gulag and the Kremlin thing. Because he ruled for a long time, but his manner of death is just so humiliating. Yeah. And it was like just a stupid, just a stupid move. Yeah. Igor's total score is 27.63. And Rurik and Oleg were what? Like like 40 and... 60-ish, respectively. Rurik was 41.43, and Alviag was 58.90. Sheesh, man. Pull yourself together. No pun intended. Well, <laughs> he did not live up to that expectation. Yeah. You know, the apple did not fall far. The apple did not fall. The apple, the apple fell, fell far, quite far the from apple, the tree. <laughs> the apple fell quite far from the tree, but Igor was just quite stuck to it. Hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, Brendan, the question to questions for the ages of ages. Does he get to party down in the Kremlin or does he get to be shipped off to the gulag? Hmm, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he deserves to go to the Kremlin. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll go with you there. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, just kidding, gulag. Gulag to you! Uh, that was a very short episode. Yeah, dear God. Wait. Yeah, Igor does not live up to a leg, and his dad, even though his dad didn't do much, his dad did way better. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, this sets the bar quite low. Yeah, he is number. He is ranked number three total, but that is because he's only he's the third ruler so far. Um. Next time, we will get to talk about his wife, Olga of Kiev.
which I'm actually looking forward to because I do know a little about this story and I do like this story. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, I can't wait to like research this one, which is why I asked you to record a week early so I could actually start researching Olga because there's a lot. <laughs> there's quite a Indeed lot. There is, and you'll you'll find out why. But yes, so Igor, you know, you're torn about, you're torn apart by trees, and your remains are being shipped off to the Gulag. So yes, well, <sighs> you know, hell of a way to go out, but. Yeah, no, sorry, there's no upsides to this. You suck. <laughs> there's, the, there's no, yeah, he's, he's, he's the worst. Like, he is so far the worst. I know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are worse people coming, but... I'm sure there are, but, I mean, coming back from Oleg the Seer, that, that is really something. That is such a downgrade. Yeah. And you're like, seriously? This is what you, this is what happens? But isn't that, you know, it's like the champion's curse. You have a really cool Kai, and then the next person up is always horrible. Yeah, I mean, it always looks bad in comparison. And, I mean, this is subjective anyway, but just, like, following up from Oleg the Seer, the guy who put wheels on his ships, that, and, you know, like, managed to, like, trick his, uh, um, Oskold. Dang it. Askold and Deer. What? Askold and Deer. Okay, Askold and Deer. Okay, I always forget. I can never remember if it's, like, Oskold or Olsgod or whatever. Oskold and Deer. Okay, coming back from tricking those guys into walking over to their own execution. That's incredible. But then you just go down to this. It's like, I want more money. And greed is what got him. Well, I mean, he got... He was broke. It's not exactly greed. If he was already rich and he, like, was his own undoing... Okay, I would get that. But this is just one stupid decision after another. Just come on, man. Yeah. Well, it's time for the poetry, because we can actually add it to this one. Very nice. This poem is called Kurrasi, or To Russia, and is written by Vladimir Nabokov, a famous Russian-American author and poet, famed for his book, Lalita. Wasn't, uh, did he, so this poem, did he write it both in English and Russian? Because I understand that he wrote Lolita first in English, then translated it himself to Russian. Well, not not translate, but he wrote a a different version that was in russian he wrote a ver- yeah he wrote a version in russian no he wrote this one in english and uh, he wrote this one in russian and then someone else translated it for us oh okay um i like vladimir nabokov a lot because i feel like he has a re- he really has a great way with words in russian which puts him on high on he it puts him high on my list so i will read first and then if you want to kind of read through your thing before we get started all right okay so kohrasi Atvyajis, yetebia umaliayu, vichet strashin, gul jiznizatih, yebies pamoshin, yomirayu, od slepich naplivani tvaich, tot kto volna chiznu pakinul, balin vid na virshinachronie, no te pier diaspustilse of dolino, ite pier prublijatsas nismie, nasig da yagatov zataitsa, ipies iminijit yagatov. Stob saboi vasnachnis traditia, or kazatio vsiacesic snov, obis cravit sebia iscalicit, nikasatia lubimiesic nig, praminiat na luboi nareci, siosto umenia moezic, no zato orasia squos liosi, squos travu dvuchnis mesdim mogil, squos drojasia piatna beriosi, squos siosto. Shemya smola dujil, dragim slepimi glazami, nispotrina minya 
пожалее. Ни еще в этой угольной яме, ни на шупивай жизни моей, ибо годы прошли столетия, и за горе, за муку и за стыд. Поздно, поздно, никто не ответит, и душа никому не простит. To Russia, by Vladimir Novikov. Let me go, set me free of my shackles. In the dark, when commotion subsides, I am dying. I'm drained by the battles. Within dreams of you, flowing like tides. Let the ones who at will have abandoned their motherland wail and complain. They are on top. I've already descended. Don't you dare approach me again. I'll abandon the books I revere. I'm ready to live in a cave. So that you from my dreams disappear. Every dream, I'm ready to wave. And degrade my own self to damnation. Drop my name and be stripped to the bone. For the dialect of any nation, trade my tongue. The last asset I own. For this sacrifice, Russia, through tears, through the grass on my parents' tombs, through the memories of my young years, through the catkins of birch trees in bloom. Don't you look at me. I beg for mercy. In this pit, all is burnt to the core. It is void. Your blind search is unworthy. Don't you try my past life to restore. It's too late. Years, ages have vanished. For the shame and the grief in my soul. For its torment, no one will be punished, and no one will ever be absolved. Ooh, goosebumps. To support us, feel free to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at ZarPowerPod, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast host. We also, you can also support us on by joining our Patreon or donating to the podcast on our donation page on the website at czarpowerpod.weebly.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Foster underscore writing. I'm probably most active on there. And I am on czarpowerpod. So, hey. And that's a dosudenitavarishi from me. And that's a vlasprosdayet parazito from me. See you soon, guys. Bye.